have an odd Sunday. Uh, it's sort of the in-between. We find ourselves in the in-between. This, this, this is sort of how a preteen must feel. You know, kind of not quite a teenager, not quite. We're, we're, we're not quite Christmas season, but we're not quite New Year yet. And we're in between. And Lisa and I we, and our family, we had the opportunity to head down to the lower mainland. We left Christmas morning and we headed down the lower mainland. But on the way back, Lisa asked a question in the car. And it was on the Seashell Peninsula. We're driving in the pouring rain. And so I was trying to give it as much attention as I could. But she asked this question, what is one goal you want to achieve in 2019? She asked our family that. And it's kind of the season for that. Lisa already alluded to this, that that we kind of walk into this moment, this sort of in-between, where we reflect on the year that was, but we begin to think about the year that's coming. We, we, We begin to think about what we want to be known for. Or, or perhaps we think, who do we want to be known as in 2019? Everyone has a different journey. So, so if we ask that question, if, if, I, if I just lined you up and we began to ask that question, we probably have many different answers. Many different answers. I mean, I mean we could have some good guesses. You know, we could, we could guess that, you know, exercise will be a part of, you know, a, a big part of people's thoughts about 2019 or perhaps family, spending more time with family and off screens. You know, we, we could guess that there would be some commonalities among us, but for the most part, our journey would be so different. And that's, that's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of gathering together. But with that in mind, I want, you to, I want to introduce you to probably my favorite person found in Scripture. Th- this is probably the person that I kind of go to the most when it comes to just how he lived his life and and kind of what he was all about his name was joshua joshua so if you have your bibles why don't you turn to joshua chapter one joshua chapter one and while you're turning let let me give you a little bit of background what's going on here It's, it's in the old testament right after the book of deuteronomy and and while you're turning there moses is joshua's mentor Moses was the leader of the Israelites. He led them out of Egypt. He, he kind of was the, the, the one that led them to the promised land. But unfortunately, things went sideways with that generation of the Jews. Things went sideways. And so what happened is God disciplined them and said, you know what, your generation, you're not going to see the promised land. And that included Moses. That included Moses, the one who led them out of Egypt. And so now Moses is dead, and Joshua is the one chosen by God to lead Israel. And so now here's Joshua, a young man, and he's about to step into this leadership role of leading a nation, this people group that have been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And whether he's ready or not, he's up to bat. And what's cool about Joshua is Joshua is the one, if you remember, he was one of two men back when they first got to the promised land that went in and spied out the land. Everybody came back and said, we can't do it. These guys are too vicious. They're too big. They're too incredible. And Joshua and Caleb came back and said, oh, this land is awesome. They had a completely different perspective. And they said, let's go take the land. God is with us. Let's go take the land. These young men of zeal and vision. But it didn't work out. And so now they're back. 
And so here's Joshua 1.1. Let's jump in. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, which is a river, and you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I give to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it in the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on a day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. These are three things as we impact this, this encounter that Joshua has with the Lord. There's three things. There's a road map. The, the sermon today is called The Path to Success. The Path to Success. And these three things seem to be paramount to walking in success. Serve the mission. Serve the mission. Submit to truth. And study the scriptures. Serve the mission. Submit to truth. Study the scriptures. And this seems to be the roadmap that the Lord gives Joshua for success. And when I say success, I'm talking personal success, leadership success, family success, community success, and ultimately national success. This is very interesting. This is so profound. And I want you to notice that two of these things are, are unchanging and they're unmoving. At times the mission, the mission depending on seasons and what God is up to and what's going on, the mission can, can kind of move and, 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 and twist a little bit. But when it comes to truth and when it comes to the scriptures, they're unmoving and they're unchanging. The law of the Old Testament stood as an absolute. So to submit to it and to study it was to know something of absolute truth. These are unmoving and universal truths that our, our nation and, and our sister nation, the, the, the nation of Canada, was built on many of these Judeo-Christian absolutes, these truths, these intrinsic truths that stood the test of time and culture and place. And I think that's why much of this foundation is so under attack today as we find ourselves becoming more secular as a nation. And God, God just... I just really believe through Joshua's life, as I read and as I study and as I look at the current circumstances around us, there's something profound about what the Lord says to Joshua here. So let's dig in. Verse 1, just as a reminder, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, 
the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. And, and here's what's profound about this. I want you to think about this as you as we think about what he's asking Joshua to do. He's really laying out a goal for Joshua, right? We, we, we can call it a goal. We can call it a mission. We can call it a purpose, all right? We can call it a picture of a preferred future, all right? But he's laying out a goal for Joshua, and he's very clear about that goal. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I had promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. It's very specific. It's a very specific goal. It's a very specific mission that God gives to Joshua. And and there's very little room to, to ambiguity in this mission that God has set Joshua upon. Now, this mission isn't a new one. Remember, God promised this land to Abraham. Okay? This is, this is an old covenant. This isn't new to Joshua. It, it wasn't even new to Moses. This was something that he promised Abraham all those days ago, all those years ago. And so one thing that we can be certain upon is when God gives you a mission, it's always going to be a part of something greater. It's always going to be a part of the greater mission. And when we look at Scripture, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, the mission is always this, the redemption of the nation, the redemption of communities, the redemption of the individual. That's always the mission. In other words, the bringing back of humanity to the relationship with their creator God. That has always been the mission. Even the very land that Israel was going into was meant to serve as a testimony, not of Israel's greatness, but of God's greatness. That was the purpose of God giving them and promising them that land. It's interesting, when you do some study of the history of Israel, like our modern day nation of Israel, man, what an interesting study. Israel Israel became a, a recognized state, 1948. The UN, a year later, 1949, recognized them as a nation. All right? You know what's interesting about this? I want you to think, and just in modern days, I want you to think about this covenant that is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, originally made with Abraham, then called Moses up to lead them to it, and now ultimately has called this young man Joshua to lead them into. We see a testimony of that today. Israel, before 1948, Israel was not a nation. Israel was a people group. Israel was a people group that was spread all over the nations. When you do a study of the nation of Israel, 1948, it's unbelievable. It's unconscionable. It shouldn't have happened. That nation shouldn't be. This little tiny nation. All of a sudden, this scattered people group, God brings them back to this land that he promised thousands of years ago, and he establishes this nation once again. This is modern. This is an old history. This is within our lifetime for many of you. Not quite for me, but for 
Stand with you. Let me get back to that. And here's what's interesting. It's a land that borders with Lebanon to the north, Syria to the northeast, Jordan to the east, the Palestinian territories of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip to the east and the west, respectively, and Egypt to the southwest. You know what's interesting about that? Every single one of those nations and territories is, an, is a mortal enemy of Israel. And yet here's this little country thriving and surviving. It, it's crazy. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense. But for the faithfulness of God to keep his promises. But to this greater mission that God called this people to. Not just to, not just to be a great nation, but to reveal a great, faithful God. That's what this nation was all about from the very beginning of its establishment. Consider this. There's something great about stepping into a mission that's just bigger than yourself. There's something great about stepping into this mission, serving the mission, the redemption of humanity, the redemption of nations, the redemption of the individual, the redemption of families. There's something profound about stepping into that. And I would just say, this 2019, consider asking, you know, who do I want to be known as or what do I want to be known for? Perhaps the best question is what mission can I serve in 2019? What's the mission that I am going to serve in 2019? Every time God calls you to the promise, it will be about his story. It will be about a greater thing than just you. But he calls you to it, and he'll work through you to accomplish it. And when they look impossible, when, when the odds begin to stack up, consider the nation of Israel that has all the odds stacked against it, and yet God's faithful to keep it. I want you to think about the things that God's calling you to in serving the mission in 2019. And it's going to feel, and it's going to seem impossible. It's going it's to seem unconscionable. It's going to seem dumb at times. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes the call of God just downright seems dumb. You go, God, say what? You want me to do what? It just seems dumb. But his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when he calls us to something, it, it, it's calling us to serve the mission. Not a mission. No, no, no. The mission. The mission. Be strong and very courageous. Serve the mission. True success is found in the service of a mission that is bigger than yourself. When we serve ourselves, it's so small. When we serve the mission, we're called up into something so much greater. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now, now to talk about absolutes or, or, or a firm set of principles for living life, we, we need to acknowledge 
the dreaded S word. This is not a word that is very popular today in our Western mindset. The dreaded S word is submit. Submission. Submission. Submit to the truth. Now, now for many in our, in our cultural culture, th- this brings somewhat of a visceral response. So much of truth today is determined by the individual and how they feel about a particular area of life or family or relationship or sex or living. I think it was a recent Pepsi commercial that told us, you do you. You do you. Do you remember that commercial? About a year ago. You do you. Now, I don't know about you, but, but if, I, if I truly took that to heart and just did me, it would be a nightmare. It would. It would be a nightmare because my feelings lie to me all the time. If my truth was based on my feelings, I would never do hard things. I wouldn't. If truth was based on my feelings, I would never do the hard things. The courageous things. The bold things. I would devolve quickly into the basis of human beings if I did me. So the question is this, if there is truth, if there are absolutes, would you submit yourself to that standard in order to find success? And not just success, uh, that's not an arbitrary word. Success as defined by those absolutes. If there are absolutes, if, if, if you could discover and walk in this truth, knowing that there are absolutes, that life is not just about how you feel about it, but rather there are some absolute truths for living life, principles that are set in place and set in stone, would you submit yourself to those truths in order to live a successful life as defined by those absolutes, as defined by those truths? Right away, we're going to talk about studying the scriptures. But there's no point unless your goal on the outset is not only to understand truth, but to submit to truth, to begin to live by truth. Because otherwise, it's, it's, an, it's an exploration that is a waste of time. Have you ever, uh, have you ever heard the, uh, the saying, he has his head in the sand? You, you know where that saying comes from? It, it's actually based on a myth. The, the myth is that ostriches, when they have an enemy nearby and they're terrified and they're scared, that instinctively they'll stick, they'll bury their head down into the sand, thinking that I can't see them and so it's all okay, it's going to be okay. And it's actually a myth. Ostriches don't do that. I don't know where in the world that came from. I did a bunch of research um, to figure out where that came from. It's a myth. It's a complete myth. But the saying still stands. It's actually in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Uh, the phrase is described by Merriam-Webster this way. Unwilling to recognize or acknowledge a problem or situation. That's what the phrase head in the sand means. 
But so often we are confronted both as believers and non-believers, believers in Jesus and those that are perhaps exploring faith or, or completely against this, this whole faith thing that we stand for. We, 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 we kind of come to truth and we'd rather bury our heads in the sand than to acknowledge it and then submit to it. For, for some of us, burying our heads in the sand looks like burying it into work. We'll just, we'll just work and put in the overtime, put in the extra, get home, go out to the shop, just keep on working so we don't have to think about these profound things. For some of us, burying our heads just in busy, we bury our heads in busy, or we bury our heads in our feelings, and we let our feelings dictate where or where not we're going to go. Or we bury our heads in the past. Yet success, true, lasting, and meaningful success in life, relationships, family, community, and ultimately as a nation of people depends on the individual coming to terms with the truth. It depends on individuals coming to terms with truth and then submitting their lives to their principles. This is what we're built upon. These are the foundations. And it's going to take a resurgence of values and truth in order to change our surroundings. It's going to take individuals, not just exploring truth, but submitting to truth. Patterning their lives around principles that are eternal and true. Submission to truth, it carries with it consequences. Just as not submitting to truth carries with it consequences. Success is attained after submission. Success is defined by these absolutes that I'm talking about, that are laid out, patterns of living that God has given us in his word through, through his people. Success is only found after we submit to those truths, begin to live out those truths, to begin to pattern our lives after those truths. Submit to truth. And then verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Study the scriptures. God doesn't tell Joshua, you do you. Right? I mean, so, okay, can I just, can we just talk about this? So much of our society and culture is, is telling you that you are special, that you are one of a kind, and you don't live anybody else's life. You do you. You do you. And I get it to a point. But, but here's the truth of Scripture. And here's, here's the truth of, of where the Lord, I believe, is leading Mo Joshua right now. He's saying, no, 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 don't do you. Instead, he tells Joshua to be very careful to study the Scriptures or the book of the law. And these were the writings of Moses. Now, now it's important to understand something. He's not telling Joshua to read the writings of Moses because Moses was the perfect leader. He's not telling Joshua, you do Moses. 
No, the reality is God gave Moses the principles and the law. What God is really saying is, don't, Joshua, don't do you. You do me. You do me. The origins of the law, the origins of Scripture were dictated by God himself. There's one fundamental truth that we need to wrestle down to the ground in our own lives if we're ever going to study Scripture, let alone submit to it. And the fundamental truth is this. God is the creator. If we haven't wrestled that one down to the ground for ourselves, all all of the rest doesn't really matter. Because if God isn't creator, Scripture is a waste of time. If God isn't the one that created all things, then let's go home. Let's, let's, go, let's get out of here and enjoy this beautiful sunny day. But God is the creator. This fundamental proposition is paramount to all the rest. Because if you believe God is the creator, then it stands the reason that the source of instruction for how to live life in the context of his creation is found in him. scriptures become paramount to our journey when we realize this when we fundamentally realize this when we wrestle this to the ground when we step out into his creation and we stand in awe of it and we recognize that there is a creator god we have to then by extension begin to recognize that he as creator knows best how his creation should live That he as creator has defined what true success is. Yesterday I was on Facebook uh, on one of our ferry rides and I came across a picture. And this is is the picture that I came across right here. Anybody else notice this on Facebook? Now some of you guys are friends of of Andy Perkonig on Facebook. Now he made all his girls... um, these beautiful wood inlay ornaments. He even made the boxes, I believe. I mean, look, look at these things. They're beautiful. And, and here's the thing about this is I'm not a craftsman, okay? I, 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 I'm just not. But I can appreciate the beauty of these beautiful wood inlay lathe ornaments. I can appreciate the beauty of it. But I don't think that I can fully appreciate it. Until the next ferry, I didn't realize, Andy, I just saw this one picture. And I thought, that's, that's really nice. And I think I liked it. And that's beautiful. But then a little bit later, I realized that Andy had set up actually a whole process of pictures. Now, Andy is the creator of these. And so here's the beginning. As he put all these blocks of wood together, this is how he got all the inlaid wood. And you just keep on going. And then he began to lathe it on the lathe and do his cutouts. And and you begin to see it take form. And you begin to appreciate at a greater level 
the craftsmanship and the workmanship and the time and the energy that must have gone into making these beautiful ornaments. Truth is like this. You don't have to be a believer in God to to appreciate the beauty that surrounds us. You don't have to be atheist can believe that creation is beautiful, can be inspired by it, can appreciate it. We've all been given this gift of life and living. We can all appreciate in our own way the beauty that surrounds us. But to understand it, to truly appreciate it, we need to go to the creator of it all. If Andy hadn't posted his follow-up pictures of the process, I could have appreciated the, the, the finished product, but not fully understand and appreciate the process that got it there. To really walk in the beauty of it, we need to know the creator of it. The inspiration behind it. To be able to overcome the brokenness of it, we we need to understand the original intention of this thing called life and living. Now now you may say, Lucas, you're preaching to the choir. But if I've learned anything over the years... It's that the choir needs to be reminded sometimes. I need to be reminded sometimes of how beautiful and majestic and awesome this God that created all things is. And these truths are found in the God-breathed scriptures. I'm reminded of the beauty that is found in knowing our Creator through the study of Scripture. I'm reminded of the beauty that is found even in the ashes, understanding that we are a part of something bigger and eternal. I'm reminded that life that we are called to is is not just, is a life that's worth living. And if you're here today and you're just exploring faith with us, perhaps this is a part of your New Year's resolution or you're here and somebody invited you, and we want to welcome you here. And we hope that, that this place, this space, this community is a safe place for you to explore faith in Jesus and to ultimately encounter his love and to begin to look more, more like him every day. That you would come to terms with the fact that success doesn't look like doing you. Doing you hasn't been going so well. Doing me always led me into the most broken moments and seasons of my life. But when you begin to do him, when you begin to reflect your life around him, when you begin to study the scriptures and to begin to know the truth and to begin to submit to those principles of living and changing the patterns of how you live, success, beauty, fulfillment, hope, not ease, Not comfort, but success as defined by those attributes, as defined by the one who created all things. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
Again, we go to Scripture because we are desperate not to do us, but we're desperate to look more and more like Jesus. We're desperate to begin to pattern our lives after the way that He lived His life. And we do this by studying the Scriptures. So in conclusion, we began this sermon, uh, this sermon by, by talking about setting goals. The purpose of the goal is, is to, to walk out the success of that goal. And it would seem the path to success as laid out to Joshua included these three elements that, that I believe play a big part in, in our goal setting even today as we look at 2019. Make serving the mission, not a mission, okay? Uh, don't get me wrong. There's some other great peripheral things for life. Okay, your mission to get in shape, that's great. Go for it. Rock and roll. But serve the mission. Make space in your goal setting to serve the mission. The mission ultimately comes back to our part to play in making Jesus famous, in loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves with the intention of sharing Jesus with them, being a part of this great mission of redemption that God is calling us into. Submit to truth. The consequences of submission are too beautiful and the consequences of not submitting too ugly not to. And then study the scriptures. The handbook is available to us. And if you fundamentally believe that God, Yahweh, is the creator, then you also, by extension, have to believe that he knows the best principles for living life. He has defined success. I want to close on a personal note. And we're, we're, we're going to close just, just like this. I, I really am, and many of you would share these concerns, I am concerned about the trajectory of our nation. Uh, I'm very, very, I've never really been in, in, interested in politics. Um, growing up, my 20s, uh, in, into my, even my early 30s, I was never really all that interested. But the last little while, I have, I have just really been engaged in what's going on in our culture. And you know what's interesting? Um, too often, we're, we're putting our hope in government systems can I just say there's never going to be a perfect government system until Jesus returns? Even our democracy is still broken. And if you're looking for utopia, um, that's not coming until Jesus comes back. But my concern is that there's a loud minority that has convinced Canadians and Christians alike that the days of the Judeo-Christian nation are over. That the absolutes, the principles on which we've built our society are over. Secularism seems to be planting its flag on the ground. And my concern is, is particularly around those here that are younger. Those of you that are younger, whether you're preteens or teenagers or young adults, in your 30s even, just because you hear a lot of loud voices doesn't necessarily mean that they're espousing truth. There is such thing as truth. There really is. And I would, just, I would just advocate, I would just challenge you, wrestle with what you believe. Wrestle it to the ground. Wrestle, question, question 
vigorously. Question vigorously. And, and even this faith that I'm proclaiming to you. Can I, can I just give you permission? Young adult, teenager, young person, can I give you permission to ask questions about this faith? Don't just adopt it because your parents did or because I'm espousing it to you right now. Question it. Wrestle it to the ground. Here's the deal. God is not scared of your questions because if you are legitimately looking for what is true in this life, whatever you do, I believe with all of my heart, truth is truth. If you're legitimately sincere about seeking truth, you can explore all that is out there, the plethora of OK Google. But if you're sincere about it, I don't think God fears your questions. He doesn't fear your inquisitive mind. He doesn't fear any of that because truth is truth. If you're sincere about the journey to truth, you will find truth in Jesus Christ. I think it's the one who gets caught up in the pride of the loudest voice or the most charismatic leader. I fear, I fear for them the most. In, in this nation, we have a loud minority that speaks some very loud things and espouses very loud ideologies. And I fear for particular young people that just get caught up in what is loud and what is popular. Loud, popular, how it makes you feel. None of these things establish truth. Because you know how broken you are. I know how broken I am. If I just do me, it's going to be a gong show. And week to week, based on my feelings, it's going to be a changed target every time. My standard of truth is going to be all over the map. It just, it just is. But if God is creator, then he set up some targets that don't move. He set up standards of success that don't ever Serve the mission. Submit to truth. Study the scriptures. Let's pray.